time to rejoin the conversation. All right, and we are back. And okay, here we go. Party politics. So, making your mess your message. So, uh, first half of the show, very lighthearted, kind of on purpose, because I knew second half of the show was definitely going to be uh, a, a, little, a, little, a little deeper, um, because the question of the day is, what's kind of the most trying experience that you've been through, and how did you grow from it? Uh, so, um, I'm going to start... Do I want to go with the returning champion or do I want to do ladies first? I'm going to go with the returning champion. Okay. Alright. Um, so this one, I don't know, I don't know how to rank all the different trying times, but this one's pretty was pretty high. So anybody that's ever started their own business at some point and done that and, and been lucky enough to do okay with it, uh, at some times you start to feel like you can do pretty much anything that you want to do. Um, And so my uh, sister and brother-in-law came up with a great idea to buy a Planet Sub in Nebraska, um, which uh, for people who don't know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's just a kind of a higher-end sub shop, maybe very college-y, cool ingredients, good sandwiches and stuff, but it takes a while, you know, seven, ten minutes to make a sub and stuff. But it, it was very fun. We had them at University of Kansas when I was in school, and they did great there. And so we bought them at the University of Nebraska and thought this will really kill it. And uh, the idea of it was we were going to put in some money, and then my brother-in-law was going to run it because uh, he had had one before. And pretty soon thereafter, they ended up adopting the baby from Columbia, and they wanted to spend much of time with their kid. And all of a sudden, I found myself driving every Thursday through Sunday to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is about three and a half hours away, and working all day just to come back late Sunday night and go back to my real job, um, and then do it all again every week. And that lasted about three years. And uh, yeah, it was very, way too long. And we were just bleeding money. So if anybody has ever had a small restaurant, you know that you have to be on at 24 hours a day. You can't afford to pay somebody enough money to care and not rob you blind and all those other things, especially in a college town. And not, that much, that not much margin in restaurant business. No, that's why you really have to be on it. So the idea was if you buy a territory, you can open up five, but you got to get one going well first. And, you know, a half million dollars later, it was not going well. So we had the conversation about how to gracefully exit it, which... When it comes to family, that's always extremely difficult, and uh, it was difficult. And so uh, we ended up, after a long period of time getting out of it, but it was after a lot of stress and could have ruined a really good family relationship. Um, And luckily, uh, it didn't at the end of the day. Probably my sister and I are closer now than we ever have been. But a lot of it was just because we both at some point had to choose to handle the situation with some decency and some class in there. And you couldn't get into the name calling and why it went south. And just life happened, to be honest. Um, And so there wasn't any reason to start pointing fingers. But um, it was tough. It was very, very, very tough. It was enough money that it was scary money. And so you're like, okay, 
Well, yeah, I remember you telling me, but I had no idea it was three years. Of just bleeding money. Jeez. So, yeah, and not fun. So, yeah, that was probably the most most trying thing I can remember, aside from, like, super crazy personal things. So do you... So do you find a buyer for that, or not that you have to? Oh yeah, no, no, we were we lucked out. We found somebody to buy it for ten cents on the dollar, so it was pretty great. (laughs) Really (laughs) killed it on that. So you can have all the assets and leave us with all the debt. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. (laughs) So, but you know, he was looking for a deal too. I'm like, man, I mean, we could have got nothing. Yeah. So yeah. I certainly don't blame him. Yeah. Could just yeah. gone bankrupt. You know, there's a lot of things bad that can happen. Real so fast. you can't. That wasn't an option. That's one reason why it was very uh, dicey. Is I could have because I had an LLC that had that business. I could just shut it down. It goes to bankruptcy, and they didn't have that luxury and had put up a bunch of personal assets and things. So it would have impacted them I know far differently. Yeah. So that was one of the situations we were in. Is I was willing to cut bait at any time. And they were not, and for good reason. Right. So right, we ended up having to pay out the entire amount, which is fine. I mean, we owed the money, so. Right, right, right. But it was just, yeah, stressful. So, um, on the on the show, um, we've heard your personal story um, a, a couple of times. So, I actually want to. I actually uh, want to do and, that. And I wasn't going to go into that. Yeah, but I want to do that story. Actually, I want to do that story on a specific show where it's actually uh, just the Big Dave Hour. And we can really get your whole life story. Because I think you have a, a wealth of a story. A one-hour show? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to compact it in as much as we can. Uh, but uh, so it, I'm saying all that to say that... Even if that wasn't where you were gonna go, I want you to save that because we're gonna we're gonna do that on another show. So, with all that, big day. There, there were there are a lot of instances in my life where I've had to deal with a lot of things. Um, I'll deal with real quickly. The first thing that happened when I got young when I got shot with a BB gun, and so it was August, just right before fourth grade, and I got shot in the eye with a BB gun. I missed a whole semester of school. Ooh. So, you know, they keep you quiet. They wanted to save the eye and several surgeries and different things. And so they tutored me on my own house. And, you know, you're, I was kind of a tough kid. And all of a sudden I get out of back to school and I can't fight anybody. And I got, you know, I've gotten pudgy because I was in bed for so long. And, you know, it was, it, it was a different direction for me all of a sudden, you know, and I was kind of like this kid that nobody could touch and kids you know, couldn't go play. There was a lot of things I couldn't <coughs> do for a long time. So it really took me out of my element. Eventually I said, screw it, and got back into my element. <laughs> but, you know, it was what it was. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I got aligned with Chris as far as, you know, I, I worked, um, I came out from the East Coast in 91 and went to work for a company called c Construction. And uh, I'd already been running a cruise out there building ski condos, and uh, my wife was running a resort. I helped her with that in Mount Washington Valley, New Hampshire. And uh, I worked for him for 17 years and had an active side business building decks and screen porches and you know, what have you. And... Um, 
had a chance to buy the business in May of uh, 2007 after a year or so of negotiation. I had my money saved up from doing my side business and put a down payment down on it. Well, we knew that when we bought the business, we were heading into some recession times. We had no idea of the depth of the recession. So I, I think what probably the most trying time for me was I went through this recession to keep my employees paid, to keep my core group of employees working, uh, taking jobs knowing that this bid, there's no way they're going to make money on it. I'm probably going to lose a thousand, two thousand dollars on it, but I got to get them paid. So I'm, I'm going without a paycheck for three years. I'm taking my retirement and I'm throwing it into the business to make sure that I cover the losses and keep everybody paid. My wife was uh, made a, worked for a bank and made a decent income. But nobody that has ever had a business with multiple employees can understand the burden that it pits on you that you are responsible for those families and you have to get them paid. And it's just not your employee, you're responsible for their family. They are the breadwinner. They have to be able to take care of things. And so there were times when I didn't have payroll. Payrolls in those days, I didn't have that many employees, would have been with 17 to 25,000 a week. Now my payrolls run 35, 38,000 a week. I have well over 40 employees. So, Sometimes I had $5,000 in the bank on a Friday. And I have to show up with my checkbook and say, guys, I'm hoping to get a check next Tuesday. You know, what do you need to get through the weekend? I need to be able to get you gas. You got to have some groceries. You got to buy some beer. You know, whatever, whatever, what do you need to get you through the weekend? And 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, what do you need? And most of them stuck with me. Because yeah, nice. I called them my help checks, yeah. and then I have to find a way to get them paid. It, the amount of stress that can deliver on you is incredible. And I would tend to say that I'm a pretty spiritual man, and if I didn't have that faith and to keep a strong hand on my shoulder, I, I definitely would have failed. There were many nights I slept two hours if I was lucky, restless sleep. And those, those are very trying times. I mean, that tests you to your ultimate ability for your dedication to what you believe in doing and to run my business right. I didn't go out and hire a bunch of illegals to start paying cash under the table. I could have, but I wasn't going to do that. So I stuck to my guns and kept my integrity, and we managed to pull out of it. And I still have a lot of those core, that core group, a lot of them are still with me to this day, and then of course they're getting paid a lot better and they don't have to worry about getting their paycheck. Until I happened to go with another payroll company last week and they screwed things up royally. <laughs> now I'm back with the old payroll company. That created me a lot of stress. And I still haven't got $7,000 back from ADP. Do not use ADP payroll. <laughs> Just saying. You did not get my reference. I would have took care of you if you would have took care of me, you son of a bitches. So anyway. The views up. <laughs> now, I will, give, I will give a reference to Paycor. Paycor yeah. went right back to them, mm -hmm. did me right. They even carried my tax burden from the week before. All right. 
So that's why I didn't get back from ADP yes, that tax burden. <clears throat> but they better be sending me a check tomorrow. <laughs> All right. So what are you thinking, Brain Mass? Uh, well, anyone that's known me for the last five years would probably guess what I'm going to say. It's uh, when my dad passed away. Um, so he, I'll, I'll make that a, just a short story. He passed away unexpectedly when I was a sophomore in college, and uh, that made it tough. Um, my mom, as anyone might expect, didn't take it well. Uh, this was now eight years ago, and uh, I think she still struggles with it quite a bit. Um, but through that whole experience, I, you know, I'd like to focus on the things that I did learn. And uh, I'll say the first thing that I learned is college uh, universities, probably any college, is definitely a business. Uh, they really didn't do much to help me out in the situation, which is pretty unfortunate. Uh, through financial aid and things like that, they stuck me with some, some very big bills because the, the person that signed it was no longer there. And um, they really didn't do a whole lot to help me out. Um, and then, you know, kind of taken over for a very brief period, the, ta uh, the finances for, for my mom, um, my dad had left a lot of that in my name. Um, I assume kind of expecting that he thought I would be able to take care of it and do the right thing. Um, so that, at least that's what I like to think. And so that's what my goal was. And, you know, so I learned a lot about how, uh, estates work and um, life insurance, you know, setting up funerals, dealing with funeral homes, things like that. Um, and so I think for me, it sort of accelerated all those things you learn in life over the years, kind of condensed it all in basically a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also sort of how, how to look out and, again, realizing that every, everything's a business, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, it, I think it becomes a bad thing if you look at it like I did the university, for example, um, as someone that was working on my side. But, you know, as long as they got their money, they were willing to help me out. Um, and that was a weird situation, but a, a, a good lesson to learn early uh, because... I didn't have a lot to lose at the time. Um, and that's a lesson you don't want to learn when you do have a lot to lose. No, uh, I, I kind of get it. You know, my father died young too. And there's one thing, there is a business to death. And, and it's actually, if you look at a different perspective, it's actually a good thing for the first three or four or five days while you're taking care of all the business and getting there. Because it, it, there's stuff that you got to take care of. You just can't sit there and dwell on it. Mm -hmm. You have time afterwards to grieve. But it's really kind of hard to grieve very hard in the first three days because it's so much, four days having so much going on that you have to uh, take care of. I mean, you're the family. You, the, it's your job to set all this up, especially if you're the kid because, you know, the mother is the one that's suffering the worst. She lost her mate. Yeah, we lost our dad. Well, that's that's tough enough as it is, but it's not like losing your mate. Oh yeah. So the kids really have to step their game up in that situation. You kind of kind of grow up a little bit, don't you? Yeah, uh, that's absolutely, and that that's actually a really good point. I kind of failed to mention, which was uh, it was probably 
it was probably four or five months actually after the fact it happened where it just kind of hit me. And when it hit me, it hit me all at once. It was, you right. know, as soon as it happened, it was, you're kind of in shock, but immediately it was, you got to take care of business. My mom clearly can't. Uh, my brother had just had uh, his kid, and he was, you know, figuring out the whole family situation because they lived pretty far away. And then, uh, you know, having everything in my name was was its own situation. Um and you know, also figure out how do you transfer something else, something like that into someone else's name because we went through all of that for for my mom. And after everything sort of settled down, and you think, you know, I made it through and all that, mm-hmm. and then boom, that's when it all hit. That, was, that's exactly what happened to me because Dad died early December and it was like the end of February. Yeah, I remember I was riding in my truck. I, I mean, I vividly remember, and all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. You know, well, I'm, I'm, brain, I'm in a funk. I, yeah. I haven't got out of my funk yet. The human brain can will only allow you to process certain things. Right. You know, one thing at a time, or you know. Especially if you're a man, we only do one thing at a time. It, yeah, but I'm just saying true. that there's something to be said. We're, I'm sorry. Were you done? Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I didn't want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, kind of to piggyback on that, though, having gone through. What my dad went through over this last, well, yeah. June, it'll be a year. Um, you know, it, it, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to have their shit together. <laughs> like, and by that, I mean somebody other than you should know where all your paperwork is. Somebody other than you should be listed as somebody that can make medical decisions for you. Somebody other than you. You know, and it doesn't have to be your spouse. I mean, it, it needs to be somebody that's going to adhere to the wishes that you want, not to the wishes that they want. So it's it, it's better to make those decisions when you're not in the moment, when you're thinking rationally, when you're not sitting in a, a hospital bed thinking that somebody's going to die and what am I going to do about all this stuff? And I've never touched a bank account in my life. You know, it's it's... It's a scary thought. Nobody wants to come face to face with their mortality. But if you think about the things that you leave behind and the mess that you leave behind, if you're not prepared, it's 10 times worse for those people that you're trying to um, not make uncomfortable. I I mean, I I totally agree with you. The one thing I I would throw on (laughs) your side of it sometimes is... The amount of times that other companies, utility companies, universities, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. the amount of times they have to deal with this situation is is off the charts. They should be better prepared too. I, I don't and disagree it's stunning with that. You feel like you guys have been through this a thousand times. I'm hopefully only going through this once. Right. Help me out for God's sakes, because yeah. this is obviously a trying time. I'm trying to get through it the best I can, and you guys know how to make it easy on me, and you're choosing not to. Right. Which is becomes right. very, very. I, I, and I don't. I yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'm focusing on what I can control when I can control it, because there are going to be situations like that where people are just going to be dicks about it, and you know they're like, "Well, this is our policy, and I'm not going to do anything different because this is how it says I'm supposed to do it." But you probably help somebody else out at some other time. 
I think a lot of times these rules are made for the least common denominator because at some point, somewhere in history, some complete Yahoo screwed them over. And so now they all have to put in just mountains of bureaucracy that you have to jump through. But it just screws you if you're just the 99% who's not trying to screw anybody, just want to get through it. I'll tell you the the biggest thing that I've learned, even with your, um, your vehicle, perfect example. Um, my, my boss early on in my career, her father passed away and I'm a notary. So she asked me to notarize some documents for her and it was all trans, you know, they had to do a transfer on death and they had to prove, they had to go get the, you know, death certificate. My vehicle is transfer on death to so-and-so it, it's that quick. No, it doesn't have to go through any probate. It doesn't. Ha- I mean, anything that you can do to make those kind of situations easier, it, do it. It doesn't. It's not hurting anybody to do that, you know. And it, it, it is unfortunate that that you have utilities and universities and crap. But you know, I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't know where to Google the death checklist. I mean, some of it probably <laughs> is one. But, you know, when you're not really planning on it, expecting yeah. any of those things. And I'm with you. I'm like, yes, it's, I guess it's my responsibility to make sure when I die this shit's easier for the people who have to deal with it. Completely agree. At the same time, when it catches you off guard. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, you're like, yeah. oh, my God. In, and in then Brian's in case, like, it is. It was oh, an wow. unexpected death. But... I mean, his dad never even told him that this stuff was in his name. That's a conversation that could have happened. Sure. And it would have prepared him a little bit more, you know, knowing, okay, this is what's going to have to happen now. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, just, you know, my parents were so, I don't know why, it was like the day before my dad's surgery, all of a sudden they were realizing what this surgery meant. And they were talking to me like I should be surprised by it. And I'm like, no, like I, as soon as you told me what it was, I started going out and looking at it. Like, what does this mean? What are the side effects? You know, I ask all the questions. They just like, don't. You know, I will never throw stones at anybody in that situation. I'm not one to always go, hey, I'm going to fill myself in on all the bad news all the time. (laughs) It it is so difficult and emotional and all those things. Everybody knows in the back of their head what, you know, what a surgery, especially a serious surgery entails. You can WebMD the shit out of that for all, you know, I don't know, but it it wouldn't help me. I mean, I I just like to block stuff out for such a long time. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to deal with it at some point, yes. But, I, I, you know, I never had the pleasure of knowing your dad. I wish I did. I have, have to think that at some point in the back of his head, he's like, one day we're going to have to sit down and go through all this stuff and have this conversation and blah, blah, blah. And it just catches you off guard. Yeah. You know, and the moment hits, you're like, shit, there's a lot of stuff that I forgot to tell, <laughs> you know. But, you know, oh, by I, the will, way. I will say this, though. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I never had the pleasure of, of knowing your dad. I wish I would have. But I think in his infinite wisdom, he knew who could handle it. And, and yes, it may have been his youngest son, but he knew you could handle it. 
He knew what his wife would do because that's his mate. He knew what his other son could do because he, he knows his kids. So that's why it was in your name because you could handle it and break down later. You know, I remember when my pop, when my pop got sick, my mom, you know, God bless her. She could, she was handling the day to day of taking care of him the very best she could but it was to the point of being of not being able to handle anything else you know so you know i remembered the day when pop you know like i say he was he was pretty close to the end and he was like okay look i need to tell you what these papers is at <laughs> i need to tell you. because he knew at some point probably i was going to have to be the one to say no mom those papers you're looking for are over here. These papers you're looking for are underneath this mattress over here. You know, because, you know, you know, my mom really wasn't handling it. You know, I mean, like I say, she literally until, until the day he passed, she was in this uh, active denial that he was, that he was dying. But I remember, because I was driving up to Chicago every weekend, and I remember driving up, we went to that last doctor's appointment, last uh, oncology appointment, and, uh, and the, you know, the doctor is said in the most pleasant way a doctor can say that there's nothing else we can do. And... I immediately, of course, knew exactly what that meant. <coughs> and I think my pop knew what it meant, but he kind of went into a slight phase of denial himself. Well, he didn't want to talk about it. I don't think he was in denial about it. He just didn't want to talk about it. My mom went into denial. <laughs> like, you just... Hardcore. But she asked me because they didn't ask. You know, so how long, how long? And uh, I didn't ask because I actually didn't want to know the answer to that question because I knew that once I got the answer to that question, it was going to be way sooner than I wanted it to be. But he said three to four weeks. And I was just like, Okay. Um, you know, thank you, doctor. You've done everything you can do. And, you know, so I went back because my mom asked me to ask. And, uh, and I went back and I, and I said, and I kind of pulled her to the side and I said, look, doc said three to four weeks. And she said, no, weeks. And as soon as she heard weeks, denial went right into it hard. She did, but at the same time... I mean, I know it was the weekend before he passed away, but she did start getting um, somewhat prepared because she did go and yeah, we yeah we went know, to the funeral home and we started doing that research and 
getting some getting but, some things prepared. But I guess that's kind of my point. When you can make decisions and things that will help and not be a burden to you know what your wishes are. You know if you would want to be on life support. You know if where you want to be buried, how you want to be buried. That Those are the things that you shouldn't leave to other people. And I had to have that conversation with my parents. Like, I don't know if my brother knows where my parents want to be buried. I don't know, because they've told me. And they list me first on all. I'm the second, but they list me first. It's my mom, me, my brother on everything. So it, it's just, but I know that. I don't know what everything means, but I know that I'm listed on it. So it's, you know, I don't expect that they're both going to die at the same time, but stranger things have happened, I suppose, yeah. you know. It's just what I learned from my dad's illness is being as prepared as you can possibly be. And it, it may not be information. It may just be arrangements or understanding what this means for the rest of your life because they were completely blindsided. And I don't know why. Um, the doctor, I was in all the meetings. The doctor was very clear with them that it would take at least a year before my dad would feel normal. It hasn't even been a year yet. Now, granted, he has had every complication that you can have and ones that they've only seen one or two other times. But LVADs are very rare anyway. So, you know, it's just one of those things to, to be able to give that type of peace of mind to somebody is a good thing. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, of course, thought about the question when I... Uh, when I put it out there, and of course, uh, we've already been kind of talking about one of them, which was uh, when my father passed, and uh, and every everything that entailed. Um, Sorry. Yeah, uh, I think the other. I went through a period where uh, where I literally couldn't walk. Um, so, uh, a lot of people don't know, this is probably, da, 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 oh, 15, almost 15 years ago, um, I went through this thing where I was having these, um, these back spasms and whatever, and I, and it literally, it just, took me off my feet and I lit. Leaving out well, um, well, actually it, it's really a best guess. You know, I was, uh, I was in a car accident and I was fine and I walked away from it. And, but over time, um, uh, yeah, I think it did damage a disc. And of course it took so long that I thought I was fine and had wound up signing off with the insurance company that I was fine. And, but of course, uh, one day, um, I just, I, I woke up, I, I had been having you know, like discomfort and discomfort 
Um, and it was getting a little bit more and a little bit more. And I went to the doctors and they could never find anything. And, you know, I was, you know, t eating ibuprofen like Skittles and it just was ridiculous. And then one day I woke up and I was in just this excruciating pain and I couldn't, you know, I really, I couldn't get up. I couldn't walk. I wound up basically crawling to the door, uh, crawling to the phone and, you know, I was trying to find, and I, and I thought at the time that maybe if I could just get into uh, like a chiropractor or something like that, maybe they could, you know, give me some, uh, an adjustment or something and that would relieve the pressure and that would be better. And so I wound up, uh, I had an old, uh, it, was a, it was an old cane in the house, but it was like a gag cane at the time. One of those uh, ones for Halloween where you like, you could like had like a mirror on it you're supposed to be able to look up under girls dresses or something but uh and so i wound up uh getting a little mirror thing off of it and and i was i'm surprised i didn't snap the freaking thing uh you know in half you know all the all the weight and pressure i was putting on it just to try to get myself into a car and get over to a chiropractor and of course the chiropractor couldn't do anything so i wound up having to go to the hospital and you know, and I remember, uh, you know, they had me laying on the x-ray table and like the spasms were so bad. It was literally like jumping me up off the table. It was just horrible. And I went through this thing for really like almost a year where I was on crutches and canes and uh, all kind of Vicodins and, uh, you know, I, and, uh, but yeah, I will say uh, when I was younger, you know, I definitely had a uh, a real kind of spiritual base. And um, but as I was, you know, in my 20s or whatever, I, you know, I really wasn't going to church or doing anything in particularly spiritual. But, but um, that whole experience kind of brought me back to uh back to my spirituality and to tell you the truth it's been one of those things that uh it's kind of plagued me over the years you know and i finally uh finally found a good chiropractor since i've been here uh and a good uh, massage therapist since i've been here and a lot of that uh, you know a lot of that pain and discomfort is yeah, I've gone away for the most part anyway. And, uh, but I tell you, that was, that was a long, long year. <laughs> uh, it's just <clears throat> being in pain that constantly for that long. Um, it, it can, it can crack you up if, uh, if, if you're not strong and you don't have something to lean on. And, uh, and, and God bless, uh, I, I had, uh, I had good friends and, uh, and, and my family and, uh, and, uh, kind of a good spiritual base to lean on. And, uh, and, you know, these, these years later, I don't even think about it like that, but, but I think even, you know, once or twice when, uh, since, uh, Jackie and I have been together, um, you know, I've had I've had a, a 
It was more than uh, once or twice yeah. those first few years. Yeah, where I literally was, you know, having issues where I just, I couldn't put pressure down on one of my legs, and it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Uh, but you know, as trying as that was, it definitely, um, it 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 taught me uh, how much I guess intestinal fortitude I actually have. You know, because, um, you know, because, you know, at some point you realize that uh, all you really got is you going through this. And uh, and so, you know, definitely thank you to, to all my friends and family who were there. But, you know, you know, other than you know, occasionally, you know, bringing some chicken over with them, <laughs> you know, you know, that was, you know, it, it, I wasn't getting that kind of help. So, you know, and then of course, like I said, the next really trying time was, you know, when my, when my pop was the, the year that, uh, uh, my pop was kind of going through his, his illness and, and his passing. So, um, you know, when I, when I, when I, when I came with this question, I knew this this was going to be a, a harder subject to talk about, a more serious subject to talk about, because, you know, when you're going through things and you realize some of the things that you've gone through in your life and the trials that that you've had, um, what I wanted to focus on was not just the trial but the lesson you know which is why I kind of entitled uh entitled this making your mess your message and uh so uh for the first time uh out here in podcast land uh I'm gonna say uh, and I will be bringing this up in other ways maybe not on the show itself but uh if you follow the show or if you follow us on uh Facebook or Instagram, um, I'm going to be talking more about it. Um, a few months ago, I got diagnosed with diabetes. And uh, so that was definitely um, uh, completely unexpected. Um, I had went to the doctor for something unrelated. They gave me some, some, some kind of some steroid anti-inflammatories and some other stuff. And you know, I really do believe that those uh, kind of those steroids inflamed probably a, a, a situation that was borderline or whatever anyway. But, uh, you know, but I tell you something, uh, you know, having to make sure you, you know, you, you take your uh, pill in the morning and make sure you give yourself your shot of insulin at night is not fun on any day of the week. So, you know, anybody out there, I will say this, uh, take care of yourself. Make sure that uh, you are looking after your health um, the best that you can. I wanted some of the best advice I ever remember my pop. Actually, before I even get to his advice, I remember him used to always say, uh, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, thank God I got my health if I live and nothing happens. Like he would always say that, thank God I got my health and if I live and nothing happens. And, 
And I always used to be like, oh, just stop with all this whole country talking, you know. But uh, as, of course, I've gotten a little bit older, I realize exactly what he means by that in that at the end of the day, truly, all you have is your health. So uh, please uh, don't don't ignore yourself. Don't ignore uh, things that are going on with you. And uh, at the time, to tell you the truth, uh, nothing was bothering me. I didn't feel like, you know, I was sick in any kind of way or whatever. But, um, you know, I had no intention of, you know, burying my head in the sand and, and ignoring um, this issue and. Uh, you know, and uh, as you will see as you go through the journey with me, I have no intent on staying on pills or taking insulin for the rest of my life either. So, um, with that, uh, if there's anything else anybody wants to add or any lessons anybody else oh, wants to add. Only one thing. Yeah. Big Dave. Yes. When he goes. Yes. There will be a party bus. We're going to do a pub crawl with an open bar, and then they're going to they're going to burn me, and then you can roll me up and smoke me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's going to end. Uh, so we're going to um, take a party bus. We're going to uh, set them ablaze, and we're going to roll them up, and we're going to smoke them. But before we do that, I'm going to make sure that uh, I get the uh, Rolex off of his wrist, and I'm going to keep it in memoriam. <laughs> I'll keep that in memoriam uh, to, to Big Dave. <laughs> and with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com, a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. Uh, and we are back. And before we get out of here, let's talk about today's sugar, honey, iced tea. And for those that don't know, that is something that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. And today's uh, sugar and iced tea is mess. Um, and not to uh, to uh, beleaguer the point, uh more than we have the rest of the show. But the reason that I chose mess as the shit is um, a, a phrase that I heard a lot growing up. And uh, and once again, it's one of those things that uh, until you get a little bit older, you don't really understand what it really means. You know, we used to, we used to say that was, uh, we used to say it was kind of, uh, old Southern wisdom, or some people, there's a there's a term people say they say uh, in the South they say that's uh, mother's width, which is basically just um, you know the the, the wisdom of kind of old black mothers passed down and passed down. Um, but the phrase that I used to hear was, uh, you know, you have to go through something to get something, and. Uh, and that is the reason that mess is uh, today's 
sugar, honey, iced tea. Because you got to go through something to get something. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast in a way I end all podcasts. And that is with the toast that started it all for me. And that is to good times with good people. Yeah.